Well, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Daniel today. So go to Daniel chapter 3. Keep standing. We're going to read some scripture together. Uh, Our word for this year is inconvenient faith. That's what we're leaning into, inconvenient faith. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't buy into convenient Christianity. Don't buy into convenient Christianity. Oh, man, you got to fight against that, and that's what we're doing this year. We're looking at, throughout this year, we're looking at our eight core practices because it's our eight core practices that help us to live out our faith, that keep us grounded and standing on the rock. But I, I would call these our eight inconvenient practices because you look at the eight that we have, and um, there's nothing convenient about any of them. I mean, anybody nailing all eight of those? Like, I got it down. It's so easy for me. Are you kidding? Generous giving? No problem. Daily, div- easy. Got it. I'm good. No, they, they're inconvenient. They're not, they're not easy. But I'm telling you, if you want to withstand the storms of life, you take a snapshot of that right now and start living out those eight things. That's, that's it. Like, I, I can, if this was my last sermon I ever preached to you, my words would be simple. Do these eight things and you're going to be okay. Just do these eight. It's not that complicated. I I wish that as a pastor I could make it so complicated, which preachers do sometimes, to keep you coming back every week. You know what I mean? We're like, I don't have have any idea. I don't understand what he said. I don't know what any of this means. I just better go back and hope he can just help me to understand because it's just, uh, I don't get it. It's not. It's it's these. Live out. the. Say them every day. I say them every day. Every day, I just say a simple prayer. God, God, help me in these eight areas of my life. And I look at these eight areas of my life. How am I doing, God? And I can tell you, there's a couple on there that I ain't doing so good. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm the pastor. I'm the one supposed to be nailing all eight of those, right? There's only one that got all eight of those perfectly correct in his life, and they nailed him to a cross. But thanks be to God, he was risen again on the third day. And because of that, we have the power You have the power of the spirit of the living God that will help you to live those eight things. So when you say to yourself, that's just too hard, I'm out. That's just the devil talking to you. That's just the enemy coming to you, trying to intimidate you and tell you, you can't do it. You ain't even, you barely do one of those. Like you're just not, you're not all that. And that's okay, because you're not all that. But you have all of that in you. The power of the living God to tap into him and say, okay, God, this is the one I'm not doing so great on. This is the one I need your help with. And it's not a to-do list, by the way. It's not check, 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 I'm good. You do that in any relationship, you're in trouble, right, ladies? Come on, ladies, testify to that. Your husband's like, check, check. Your man in your life's like, check, check. You're like, that ain't going to get it done. This is what helps you in your walk with Jesus. But this isn't your walk with Jesus. Like um, when you when we're talking about prayer, your prayer isn't to earn your salvation. Your prayer isn't to get 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 uh, kudos from God. Your prayer life isn't about okay, we're good, right, God? We're good. Now you're gonna bless me, right? Your prayer life, 
Prayer is just, just so you can communicate with God. And I'm not that good at it, by the way. Prayer is probably the one I struggle with the most. It's the one I do the most. It's the one I struggle with the most. But I just kind of sit with God. And, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know, God. I mean, I go for a walk with God. When, we, when was, snow came and we have the advantage of walking out in some woods behind our house, and I got to go out with Otis, our dog, the other day, and, and I was walking through the woods, and I was just talking to God. And I was like, let's just have a talk, God. I got about 10 feet, and I forgot about God. <laughs> I got 10 feet, people. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I said I was going to talk to you, God, and I completely forgot. And I just was like, oh, you know what? I'm out here. I'm in creation. And he's like, just enjoy it, Brad. Just enjoy. Is this not the most beautiful thing I've ever created? And I did this for you. That'll humble you. Is it, is it humbling to anybody in this place that you can talk to Almighty God in all of the universe? Does that not humble you at all like that? That's crazy to me. I, I don't get that. I don't understand. Who am I? Who am I that the God of the universe would pay attention to me? Who am I that I could even approach the throne of Almighty, Holy God who sent His Son, who died, resurrected, in charge of the entire universe, breathed His breath, created the stars, spoke creation into existence. I am a spot on the map. But He loves me. It's a mystery that I don't understand. And if somebody can understand that, you can explain it to me, but it's just a mystery. I, I don't think I'll ever understand that because the, the more I follow Jesus, the longer I follow him, the more, the more I get to know who he is, the, I, 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 the more in awe, the more I kind of step back and go, whoo, I, I, I don't know you. It's like getting close to the sun, you know? The sun's amazing, right, when it comes up and when it sets. I love sunrises and sunsets. I love the sun. It's beautiful. But the closer you get to the sun, the more you realize, holy smokes, <laughs> okay, this is, this is powerful. That's who the Son of Man is. That's who our, our God is. So this is what we're talking about. Uh, we're, we're in this series called inconvenient prayer because prayer is not convenient but prayer will radically change your life and we've been talking about these different things about prayer and today I think is a really good one because I'm uh, I think it fits with the song we just sang I want to talk about praying for confidence praying for confidence is any anybody how many of you have have great confidence you're a very confident person <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the test of confidence right there, by the way. Isn't that funny? Like, everybody, yeah, I'm really confident. Okay, show of hands. Then you're like, you're not even confident enough to raise your hand. Every, turn to somebody next to you and tell them, thank God you struggle with confidence because so do I. Thank God you struggle with confidence because so do I. Oh, my goodness. I am a poetic ball of, of, of lack of confidence. Oh my goodness, just when I think I've got it, it just, poof, it goes away. You know what I mean? You know, confidence is crazy. Like, you're like, yeah, I got it. I got, got it going on. And then you have kids. And then they become teenagers. And they're like, mom, don't say that. Don't say that. that ain't, nobody's saying that anymore. All right, Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to start in uh, verse 19. So uh, this king has set up this statue. It's 90 feet high. He's really cocky, full of pride, wants everybody to bow to this God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're Jewish. They're Hebrews. They're like, we, we can't, we can't, we can't do that. 
So they refuse. They just, they, they're like, we're, we're not going to do that. And then we, we start in verse 19. It says, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with them that his face became distorted with rage. Obviously, he was a dad. Obviously a dad. Um, <laughs> he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. I forgot to mention, if you don't bow to the idol, uh, they're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. They're, they're going to burn you to death. That'll get you to bow. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames actually killed the soldiers. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, they fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement. He exclaimed to his advisors, didn't, hey, didn't we tie three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, yeah, yeah, we did. Hey, look, I, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Yeah, that's because it is God. Come on, somebody. God is in the fire with you. Amen? He goes into the fire with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door, he said, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the servants of the Most High God, come on out. Come here. So they did. And the, then the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them. Can you do this? Is, this is craziness. This is, this is either the craziest story ever or it's true. I mean, this is just, this is the stuff we believe. Some of you are, are new to church. You're, you're not a follower of Jesus. You go, I don't know about this is why I'm not a follower of Jesus. This is crazy, weird stories. But we believe in a God who does craziness. Fire didn't touch them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They they didn't even smell of smoke. Father, thank you for the, the word today. Help us as we just try to understand a little bit of what you want to say in the few minutes that we have in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. You may be seated. So a while back, I was getting into my uh, truck, and uh, I was going to grab a granola bar off the back seat. When I went to grab this granola bar, I noticed that there was one that was open sitting on the back seat, and I, I thought that was kind of strange because I don't do that, and I thought, well, that's weird. Why would, why would Laura get a granola bar? And, and I said, well, I guess she just decided to get, you know, it had like two little bars in it, and I said, I guess she decided to get one, and I thought she'd just leave it, and then I could, I could eat, eat the other one. Okay, great, great. And so I just went about my day, and, and, uh, and a couple of days went by, actually like three or four days went by, and um, I got up one morning, and I got back in my truck, and I looked, and there was another granola bar that had been torn open. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm, i got to talk to her about this. this is, <laughs> these are my granola bars. <laughs> and, but this granola bar wasn't on the seat. It was actually under the seat. I'm like, oh, I guess it fell off. And I looked, and when I reached down to grab the granola bar, I, I noticed next to the granola bar were some little tiny mouse turds. It wasn't Laura. So <laughs> that's funny right there. That's funny. Um, 
So I was like, oh my goodness, I, oh, how did I get a mouse in my truck? And then I remembered that we had moved and I had taken some boxes out of Laura's mom's garage and transported them. And at that point, I'm sure the mouse was like, hey, this truck this is amazing. I love me an F-150. I'm living here. So he jumped out of the box and decided to live in my truck. And I was thinking, how do I get this mouse out of my truck? And, and I, I was thinking all these different things. I thought, I'll, I know what, I'll get a trap. But then I thought if I get a trap, you know, and it just goes, twack. Like that, um, it might, you know, take off an arm, and then he'd just be still running around, hobbling, but running around in my truck. Some of y'all are like, that's a little too descriptive, Pastor. So I decided I got to get this mouse out of my truck, and I can't find him anywhere. So I go down, and I get one of those sticky pads. Have you seen these? Oh, some of you have seen them. You used them. Some of you use these. So I got a sticky pad, and, uh, and the idea is that the mouse climbs onto it, and then can't get free. And, and so then I took some granola and I put it right in the middle of the little sticky pad. And I'm like, here, kitty, 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 kitty. So I went, to, uh, went in the house, went to bed, got up the next morning, opened up the door of my truck. Bam! There he is, stuck to the trap. He's looking up at me like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At least that's what I think he was thinking because he was dead. Yeah, he, he, was, he was dead. Um, I, and I have proof. I took a picture. I took a picture. You want to see it? Okay, if you don't want to see it, you want to look away. All right, you ready? Here it is. This, is. this is the proof right here. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, I warned you. Some of you are like, oh, it's disturbing. That's I said, don't, don't look. Look at him. He tried to eat his way to freedom. He even chewed away at the thing. He's like, I can't get free. I can't get free. Now he is stuffed and mounted and hanging from my rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah. I've got a picture of that. You want to see it? No, I don't. I don't have a, a picture of that. I say, you, do you ever feel like that mouse in, in your life when it comes to your, your circumstance or your situation? Stuck. I, like you thought you're, you had the right answer, you thought you were heading in the right direction, and, 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 and it's just not changing. You, you prayed for the breakthrough, but I'm talking about it's very clear the breakthrough is not coming. Where you, you, you have the dream, it's just been a really long time, and you know <laughs> this isn't going to, the reality is this is not going to to change. Uh, you, you've been believing for that relationship to change and things to, to be reconciled. Uh, and it's very, very clear that this, this, is, this is how it's, how it's going to go. And when you're, when you're like, I mean, I'm talking stuck. The, you, your, your hope just takes a backseat. I mean, and, and you just, just fall into... Hopelessness, and you, and it's in those moments that that we can we can lose our confidence in Christ. In fact, many times I think we it kills our our confidence in Christ. So what do you what do you do? Like when you prayed and you believed and you've done things, but but you're but you're stuck. And what what do you do when your confidence has been shaken? I mean, when you're like, I'm, I'm not going to 
let anyone know. I'm not going to tell my core group, but I have really seriously serious doubts about God right now. I, I don't, it's not that I don't believe in God. I just don't believe he's going to do anything about this because it's very clear that I'm stuck. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're stuck. There's nothing that's going to change their, their situation. I mean, they, they're, they're, they got to go into this fire, yet somehow they maintained their confidence in God. So how'd they do it? Let's look at the story. Look, look with me again at verse 17. Verse 17, they said this, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, say it with me, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Turn to somebody, encourage them right now and say, God is able to save. God is able to save. And they said, he, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. What I like about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they understood the power of the king. Like they called him, hey, your majesty. Like we, we get your power, but they also understood the power of their God. They, they understood that there was no king, no kingdom, no authority, no power that is greater than God. Amen? Amen? There is nothing greater than what, even what you're dealing with, even the situation where you're stuck, you can get unstuck because of the power of our God. God himself backed this up. He said this in Isaiah, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will declare allegiance to me. In other words, God saying, I am more powerful than the area in which you find yourself stuck. He is able to save. Say that with me. He is able to save. Now think about the situation, the circumstance, and where you're stuck. Now I want you to think hard about that. Now say it again with me. He is able to save. You may want to write that down. He is able to save. Write this down as well. Prayer. The series that we're in, talking about prayer. Prayer keeps my circumstance from killing my confidence. That's one thing I've learned about prayer. Prayer keeps my circumstance from killing my confidence. The problem is that the longer you have to wait on God, the more your confidence is, is shaken. It's like a child uh, reaching up to, to a parent and saying, pick me up, pick me up. And you're like, I would, but you're 15. Get over it. But a child goes, pick me up, and a child does this because why? They have confidence in the parent. I know when I do this, you have the power, you have the ability to pick me up. Now, I don't know if you will or not, but I, I believe that. That's the universal sign of trust right there. That's what prayer is. Prayer is so often we can just raise our hands up to God, and we're saying, God, pick me up. I know you can. I, I've seen you do it for others. 
So why won't you? When you begin to focus on your circumstances, you you can become overwhelmed by them. Pastor Eric and I coach uh, his son's basketball team, seven and eight-year-olds. He talked about it last week. That was so great. It was so great him talking about that. Um, and uh, he's just, you know, seven, it's challenging. It's, uh, I've coached for over 20 years, and when he said, hey, we're, we're coaching Isaac's team, and I'm like, how old are they? Seven and eight. Oh, great. And, and the one thing that, and if you, uh, anybody who has children and you put your kids into sports, you know there's always one or two kids on every rec team that um, their parents made them play. And you're looking at those parents, why did you make them play? And that child does not want to play. Uh, can I just step off for a moment and say, parents, if your kid says, I don't want to play, don't make them play. That is not a plea from a pastor. That is a plea from every coach in rec sports. So we have a couple of those. Now, the thing is, I love those kids because they're so cute and they're so kind and they're so fun, but they have no business being on a basketball court. So we have this one. His name, I'll I'll just call him Kevin, okay, because we don't have a, no Kevin. Okay, we have no Kevin. (laughs) Checking. Uh, I'll call him Kevin. And Kevin does not want to play. And so uh, in the last game, uh, he ran down the, the court and he just stood there with his hands in his pockets of his shorts like this. And I'm, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, hey, Kevin, Kevin. And it's so loud in this gym. He can't hardly hear me. And there's kids everywhere. And, 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 and he's just, ah, and he's just freaking out. And, and I'm like, Kevin, Kevin, take your hands out of your pockets, buddy. And he's like, okay. And he's just, and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. And it's not okay for Kevin. He's just getting completely overwhelmed. There's so much noise and everybody's coming at him. And I'm just standing that one. He's trying to stand in the, in the, I stand in where I'm, you told me to stand, coach. I'm here. And then the worst thing is it's basketball. So the team takes off and runs to the other side of the court, right? And he's standing there. I'm like, Kevin, go. Go, buddy. He's like, Okay. And he kind of runs to the other side of the court, and he runs off of the court, <laughs> runs over, and sits down right next to his mom. <laughs> In the middle of the game, his mom is looking at him like, Kevin, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's sitting where he's supposed to be sitting. So poor Kevin, she just shoes him back on. He's like, okay. <laughs> Man, sometimes your circumstance and your situation is just so overwhelming. It's just all noise, right? You're just like, in the quietness where no one can see you, you're just, you're like Kevin. You're like, I don't know. God, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even, you can't even hear the voice of God over the, over the noise. Here's what prayer does. Prayer puts your circumstance in proper perspective. 
When you go to God in prayer, it begins to put your circumstance in proper perspective because it gets your mind and your eyes and your feelings and your emotions off of what you're struggling with and onto the rock of our salvation, onto the one who has the power to change your circumstance. Um, I like what Pastor Eric said last week. Such a great message. That simple prayer, God help me. I, I think when you're overwhelmed and you die, I don't know what to do, I think one of the best prayers you can pray is God help me. And to be honest with you, I don't think I can improve on that prayer. I think that's just one of the best prayers to pray. But if I did, according to the story and according to the scripture, I would add the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He will rescue me. Where you pray, God, help me. God, help me. And then back it up with a declaration. He will rescue me. God, help me. He will rescue me. I think of prayer like, like breathing. Uh, Laura, I've been watching her this week. Just um, It's weird how if you've had COVID in your home, one person just goes through it with mild symptoms, which is what happened to me, and then the other might test negative but then has these lingering things. And Laura's, it's been breathing, and she just can't, can't catch a deep breath. She cannot breathe. I've been doing all the things necessary, but it's just not helping and so she's been trying all these different breathing techniques, <laughs> all these different things. I, I just found her like this this morning, like this. <laughs> I'm like, what, what are you doing? She goes, this is what the video says to do. <laughs> I'm doing it. She's like on YouTube, like she's scrolling videos trying to figure out how to breathe. And I, I think prayer is like breathing. It's, it's breathing in a deep breath of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> and then breathing out what's troubling you. It's breathing in his confidence, and breathing out what is stressing you out. And I just think you got to keep doing that over and over again at times with what, just breathe in, he is present with me. Breathe out what overwhelms you. I just keep doing that over and over again. Write this down. Keep praying, keep praying until the confidence of Christ calms my soul. I'm going to keep praying until the confidence of Christ calms my soul. Verse 18 is a, a turning a little bit in the story where they say this, even if he doesn't. Say that with me. Even if he doesn't. We want, we want to make it clear. We're not going to serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Like, this is the truth. This is, can I just pause here for a moment and say, we've all faced the fire, right? None of us have come through it unscathed. We've all been burned by life. Maybe for some of you, it's the fire of divorce. Maybe, maybe it's, it's the fire of a lost job. Maybe it's the fire of foreclosure. Maybe it is the, the fire of a dream that died. Maybe it is the, the fire of the loss of someone you love. 
that the point of this story is, is not that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire unscathed. The, the point of this story is that they had this unshakable confidence in God. Nothing was going to change their viewpoint. They, no, we're going to, this is what they said in, in the rest of verse 18. We want to make it clear to you. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement to a king. We're going to make it very clear. Okay, we will never serve your gods. My question to you is, do you have that kind of unshakable confidence and commitment to God? Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is a declaration. It is saying that my confidence is in you. I am committed to you, God, no matter what. It is continually going back to your knees and saying, I know what I see. I know what has happened. But my confidence and my commitment are in you. I am resolute in following you and trusting in you alone. So you fast forward uh, a few years, and there's a couple of guys named Peter and John. They were, if you're new to church, Peter and John were disciples of Jesus. And Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He has ascended to heaven. The church has now begun. Peter and John are leading the church, and they're out talking to people about Jesus. And in Acts 4, they heal this guy. And when they do, it ticks off the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, because they were trying, they didn't want anybody talking about Jesus. So they brought him in and said, you got to stop talking about Jesus. Imagine if your boss brought you in to your workplace and said, we need you to stop talking about Jesus. What would you do? What would you do? That's a very real thing, by the way. If you're sharing your faith openly in the workplace I still remember when I was working in the radio industry and I, and, and I was serving Jesus and I was not, I was, I was doing a morning show in town and they had a big kind of corporate meeting and there was like 20 people sitting around in this meeting and right in the middle of this meeting, someone said, Brad needs to stop talking about Jesus. And I, and I just, in that moment, I said, I can't. I didn't say it verbally, but I was like, I can't stop talking about Jesus. Even if it costs me my job, I'm, I can't stop talking. This, so these guys, this is what they said, Peter and John in Acts 4.19, they said, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Say this with me. We cannot stop. Oh, that's so good. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Why? Peter and John in this moment, basically what they're saying is, look, we, we saw Jesus raise himself from the dead. When you can do that, we'll come back and we'll have a little chat. That's what they're saying here in this moment. They resurrect, the resurrection of Jesus changed everything for these guys because they were like, ah, that's the guy we're following? And he died, and he was resurrected? What do we got to fear? Kill me. Kill, I mean, like, Peter and John weren't like, had some crazy, crazy weird uh, vendetta of wanting to die. But Peter, let's be clear on this, he was hung and killed on a cross upside down. But he went through that with the greatest of confidence. Why? Because he's like, you can kill my physical body, but now I get to go be with Jesus. Do you have that kind of confidence? 
Like even death cannot hold you down because death not, does not have the final word. Resurrection has the final word. And when you understand the power of resurrection, you can have confidence in Christ. Jesus said it this way in John eleven twenty five. 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, say it with me, what? Will live even after dying. No matter what you face in this life, there is God's promise of resurrection. Encourage somebody next to you and tell them he, he's going to bring about a resurrection. Come on, turn to somebody, tell them, encourage them. He's going to bring about a resurrection. Listen, the, re, divorce, God's promise is resurrection. You've lost a job, God's promise is resurrection. You have a dream that has died, he says, my promise to you is resurrection. You, you have a relationship that is broken and cannot be mended, he says, I have the power to resurrect you. Somebody lose their life, you lost somebody you love, guess what? There's the power of the resurrection. God will resurrect you. That's who he is. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't escape the fire. In fact, the story tells us that the fire was turned up seven times hotter. And then we read in verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Again, why? Because it was God. God was in the fire. When you face the fire, I want to encourage you today Keep praying until the confidence of Christ calms your soul. If you're in the fire, just keep praying. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out what is troubling you and keep doing that over and over until God calms your soul. Because that's what prayer will do. It will keep your circumstances from killing your confidence. So you're probably going to have to go through the fire. But what God's promise in the story is, is I'm going to be with you in that fire. I'm going to walk with you through that fire. And I'm going to resurrect you and give you new life. Would you stand? As we prepare for the sacraments, since we're in this prayer series, I, I thought it would be good for us to prepare by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's, let's say this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.